two days, two black men killed by police officers on camera. It's become what we expect to see with more and more frequency in a country where the sins of our racial past are being recalled vividly in the lenses of cell phone cameras and other surveillance. We are seeing what America has sown. We are seeing what America refuses to address, at least in a fundamental way. Alton Sterling was selling CDs outside of a store. He had a legally possessed gun in his pocket, but never appeared to threaten police officers. Still, they rolled him over and shot him several times in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Philando Castile was simply pulled over by officers in Minnesota. When he told them of the gun he was possessing legally, they appeared to just open fire as his girlfriend taped from the passenger seat. It'd be really difficult, if not impossible, to go through an exercise that would dissociate these killings from the wanton violence that black people have suffered at the hands of authority for centuries in this country. They fall into a long, long line of incidents we're now witnessing regularly and waiting for change, big, small, some measure of justice to reveal itself. And let's be clear, the fact that this violence happens under the color of authority is the incisive fact that we're dealing with. It's the reason this is especially outrageous and frightening. 14 people, for instance, were killed over the 4th of July weekend in Chicago, a city where bloody drug and turf wars are claiming lives at a pace not seen in decades. That is disturbing. That is harrowing. But it's nothing compared to the violence that is perpetrated by people we hire and pay to keep us safe. It's not the product of somebody's day at work, which is supposed to be spent protecting citizens from senseless death. What do I say to my 12-year-old son, brown-skinned and growing into a man, about how he should manage encounters with police who are quick to trigger and slow to understanding? All the privilege that surrounds his life, all the advantages he has, he has they mean nothing on a street corner with an officer. It can so quickly just go bad for no apparent reason. A good friend of mine said Wednesday, after Sterling's shooting was all over the news and all over social media, that the solution here has to come from within law enforcement, that the escalation of routine police encounters to deadly situations has to be addressed by the police themselves. They need to ask why this happens so frequently. Their bosses need to insist on training and procedure that makes them a solve for tense situations, not an accelerant. But imagine standing around waiting for that. Is it like telling the victims of lynching, who suffered years in the South under mob rule that took thousands of lives, to look for their persecutors to turn a new leaf? Can you ever count on an oppressor to change on his or her own? That's the question we're left with, from the White House to the street corner. What's the turning point here? What changes this? What makes it 
possible for us not to watch every few weeks as another African-American is killed on camera for no apparent reason. And whose responsibility is it to initiate that change? I guarantee we'll see more of these horrific incidents before we get answers to those questions. And so we fear, we watch, we shudder, and we wait until the next time. This is Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and I'm glad you've joined us today. I wanted to start off reading just those thoughts that I've had over the last two days as, yet again, we're watching African Americans sent to their deaths by police officers. I've written, I don't know, a dozen columns, it seems, in the last three years about this in the Detroit Free Press. And each time, each time I think to myself, this is the last time. This is, this is where it turns. This is where we see some significant change that reigns all of this in. And of course, each time I'm disappointed. A few weeks, a few months go by and we're back in the same place where we were before. I want to start off the show talking about what's happened the last two days in Baton Rouge and in Minnesota. Uh, frankly, I can't remember the last time that we had two of these incidents back to back like this, uh, two days in a row in two different states, disparate places, really different histories and cultural contexts, but the same activity, the same result. Give us a call at 313-577-1019 if you have thoughts about this, if you have ideas about why we're seeing so much of this, why it doesn't seem to change, what needs to happen in order for things to move in a different direction. We spent an hour yesterday on this show talking with Lester Spence, uh, an associate professor of political science at Johns Hopkins University, about race and power, racial attitudes, progress, and came out of the show to see this Alton Sterling uh, shooting all over the place. Get up this morning, and it's something else in Minnesota. It's happening too frequently. It is frightening. It is frightening for me as an African American. It's frightening for me as a parent. I want to know what we do. I want to know where we go. I want to know whether this is a country where we can solve a problem like this. Decades, centuries of African Americans being killed at the hands of authority and with no consequences. How many of these shootings have we seen where the police officers face absolutely nothing? I want to bring someone into the conversation that we've talked to in the past about these issues. David Dennis is a columnist with Bossip.com. He wrote an article yesterday called For My Son in the Event the Police Leave You Fatherless. David, welcome to Detroit Today. Uh, thanks for having me. Um, I wish we were on, you know, talking about happier things this morning, yeah. Um, honestly. Yeah. Uh, a, a lot of the things in your column echo some of the things that I was just talking about. I've got a 12-year-old boy living here in the city of Detroit. 
starting to look and sound and sort of move like a man. And all of these thoughts about these shootings come right home to me, visit right uh, in my heart and in my gut uh, about him and how he manages this stuff. You've written a column about that same, that same emotion. Yeah, I mean, you know, we are, I'll just, I'll just tell you this, my mom called me uh, right before uh, you guys called, and she told me to be careful on my way to work, you know, um, and I'm just driving to work, you know, I'm not <laughs> doing anything, damn. I'm going to go work and type on the computer, you know, and so, you know, I, I see police officers, and I don't feel safe uh, when I see the potential of being pulled over. I think about my son, um, as he's getting older, he's only three now, but I mean, you know, just thinking about how he will be seen, um, you know, how things he does in class will be interpreted as threats or being, you know, unruly, and just how we are judged as soon as we are seen. Like, I've been pulled over uh, on average twice a year since I've had my license and for nothing, <laughs> you know, and each time it's been terrifying. Um, I've been, cops have been aggressive to me. Cops have been, you know, some have been nice. But, I mean, this is just, it, it should not be like this. We should not be this scared and this, worried about doing very mundane things and we shouldn't be worried because of the people who are being paid to protect us. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, one of the things that, that is really difficult about this issue uh, that, that comes up when it comes up is connecting it to history and making it clear that these shootings do appear when we see them on these cell phones, on these cameras, on surveillance, they do appear to have no justification. They do appear to have no reason. But then when you sort of pull the lens back and look at it in the context of what the relationship has been between authority and African-Americans in this country for several centuries, it does connect. I mean, it does start to explain what the mentality is what the, the the thought process people go through when they are dealing with African Americans is, and the sort of impunity with which people seem to act. It's almost as if they know history says I can do this and there won't be any consequences. Well, yeah, I mean, I feel like it's in the police best interest if you actually kill the person that you accidentally shoot. You know, like you, you know, the history has shown that if the person who you uh, the unarmed man you shoot cannot defend himself or cannot tell you what's going on. You get, you know, a paid leave. You get leave of absence. You get a vacation, and you don't go to jail. I mean, this. I mean, this is what we've seen over and over again. We do not see prosecutions. We do not see people going to jail and paying for these crimes. And you know, when you look at the Alton Sterling, you see the camera angles. How this man cannot possibly have done anything wrong, and yet. There's not anybody who feels like there will be any justice. Like, I don't feel like anything will happen that will, uh, you know, punish these police officers or give them any deterrent to keep doing it. Yeah, yeah. Um, we get some phone calls here. I want to take calls. If you want to join the conversation, talk about what's happened in the last two days, uh, two shootings of, uh, of black men uh, involved with police, uh, give us a call, 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. Uh, let's go to Dr. Theopolis in Ann Arbor. Welcome to Detroit Today. 
Thank you for taking my call. Mm-hmm. It is it is so nice to hear you talk about the historical perspective of the judicial system in this country with how we as black people were were was stig, uh, stigmated uh, when from early on. But I want to challenge every single black man in this country to do the following. It is our responsibility to instill character and discipline in our children because events like this, my friend, will continue to happen because of the history of this country. We have a burden with respect to educating our children that education is paramount, crime never pays, and our characters are essential because Caucasians in this country because of their parents and their parents' parents, will always view the black man as hostile. And that is so sad. Man, it it bothered me to see what happened. But you cannot become angry. You cannot lose sight of the fact that it is the black man's responsibility to continue to instill character, strength, and virtue in their children and their children's children so that this, this, this... False sense of fear from my Caucasian brothers will cease and desist at this very moment. Yeah. Thank you for taking my call, and God bless you all. No, thank you very I'm much. I'm offline. Yeah, thank you very much, uh, Dr. Theopolis. Uh, David Dennis, I think one of the things he's getting at there is this: is what the reaction should be. But, but I want to caution that it almost doesn't matter what the reaction is. It almost doesn't matter what you teach your children to do. Uh, it almost doesn't matter uh, how you carry yourself or what you achieve. I mean, th- these incidents really, uh, as much as I want to connect them to the history of, of what, what has happened in this country, when they happen, they are inside this sort of uh, cauldron of tension where it doesn't matter who you are or what you're doing. The, the, the police... And their reaction is is about what you look like, it seems, or or some innate fear of of race. Yeah, I mean, um, you know, of course, educating children and and raising great kids is a priority, and we are all, you know, trying to make sure that we do that. But at the same time, like my degrees are not going to protect me from a bullet no. from a police officer. You know, a suit and tie is not going to protect me from bullets from a police officer. You know, the things that, you know, my good table manners will not, you know, protect me from bullets from a police officer. I don't feel as though those bullets have any respect for class or or any of those things, education or, or how well I speak. And when I'm driving and they look at me driving my car or walking down the street, they see criminal. They see threat and they see somebody who has the ability uh, like they believe Mike Brown can walk through four gunshots and still come at a police officer with superhuman strength. Right. You know, these are the things that, that, that uh, Alton um, Sterling can sit there and be held down and somehow get his gun and, and uh, shoot two police officers while being, you know, held down and unarmed. Like these are the, the beliefs they have before they know anything about me. Like I am working at a deficit by the time that they lay their eyes on me. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, let's go to John in Oak Park. John, welcome to Detroit today. You there, John? Yes. Can you hear me? I can. 
Yeah. Okay, yeah, I'm I'm not weighing in. I'm just wanted to sympathize and empathize and just wish, hope, and pray that we can raise uh, the challenge of resensitizing ourselves as a society. Um, and um, I just I, I have no solutions, and I just want to express the wish that uh, we accelerate uh, the importance of this whole matter. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you very much uh, for your call and your thoughts, John. Uh, let's go to Charlie in Detroit. Charlie, welcome to Detroit today. Hey, thank you. Um, I just want to say thanks again for your program. It's truly a good public service. But I, how insane have we gotten? We have the the police, the NRA, and the right wing saying we all should, you know, carry guns. The good guys, you know, have them registered, all that. And now we're shooting the guys that are supposedly the good guys. So, I mean, where is this all going? I mean, it's definitely racially motivated. Half the country hates the president because he is black. I mean, we're just losing it. Yeah. Yeah. No, no. Thank you, Charlie. I I, I appreciate your call uh, and your thoughts. I, I, I feel very much the same way. I'm sort of at a loss as to what the next step might be or what has to happen before something changes, before we decide to do something different mm-hmm. with the way police deal with with African-Americans. Uh, Aaron in Detroit, welcome to Detroit Today. Yes, my, my comment is no one's supposed to be a, above the law in this country, not even police. And when, when they do something like that, they should be prosecuted. And my point is, my other point is, you know, we are all Americans, you know, and whether we're black, white, green, or yellow, we're all Americans. And we should have the right to walk down the street. We should have the right to drive our car without getting stopped and getting shot down like a dog. That is my point. Yeah. Aaron, I, I'm, I'm in the same space you are this morning. I'm tired of it. I don't understand it, and I don't really know what to do. Thanks very much for calling in. Uh, Alex in Sterling Heights, welcome to Detroit Today. Yes, sir. Thank you for letting me call. Um, so... You know, as a member of the Caucasian establishment, not a law enforcement <laughs> official in any way, shape, or form, uh, over the cl- course of the last couple of years, this epidemic has gone from troubling to disturbing to horrifying to the point where I wouldn't support my children if they decided they wanted to pursue a career in law for- enforcement. Because I don't see that this is going to change, and I don't want them to be a part of this. Yeah. No, I, I, I mean, I, I can't imagine. I, again, I can't imagine how this feels for, for anybody. And, and, Alex, you raise a great point. I mean, as, as a white person, I mean, it's not any easier, I don't think, to watch this happen uh, over and over again and think it's the police who are doing it. It's the police who are... Uh, the criminals, the perpetrators, uh, and and uh, I think I'm with you. I would be really hesitant to think about one of my kids thinking that they wanted to be a police officer. Although maybe on the flip side, that's what we need is people with different kinds of perspectives and uh, uh, different hearts, maybe uh, on the police force to to stop this from happening. But thank you very much uh, for coming for calling in, uh, Alex. Uh, uh, David Dennis uh, of Bossip.com, I want to I want to talk to you about how you how you feel this this issue moves. In other words, 
how many times are we going to see this before we see something really dramatic happen on the pushback? Uh, activism, uh, legislation, something that says this is not okay and we're not going to keep going down this road. Yeah, I don't I don't know uh what the future holds for um you know these situations what I do know is that um you know there are some of these police chiefs are getting removed across the country um who are behind some of these instances and you know that kind of gives me hope that people are being galvanized to kind of pay attention to these votes and um you know voting some different people I don't know if they're voting you know if people coming in are any better or not but people are paying attention um we have presidential candidates who are now having to address these issues in ways they hadn't before. Uh, but, you know, I just don't know on a, you know, case-by-case basis when these cops are doing this, what chances there are going to be that there that there's deterrence for them. Um, hopefully with the video, um, with the Sterling, that we can finally see some justice come. But, I, you know, I, I can't – I'm going to be honest. Like this morning um, – I don't feel a lot of hope this morning. You know, um, the Sterling thing happened. I wrote my story and I kind of said, all right, you know, it was hard to write, but I'll just take the next couple of days and, you know, work on some other stuff. And then before I go to bed last night, you know, the Minnesota thing happened. And, you know, this morning I don't have a lot of um, hopeful words, like positive words. I don't have a a sunny outlook for, for things right now. Hopefully I'll, snap out of it, but that's just sort of where I am this morning. Yeah. All right. David Dennis, columnist with Bossip.com. Look up his uh, article yesterday uh, called For My Son in the Event the Police Leave You Fatherless. Thanks very much uh, for being with us, David. Thank you for having me. All right. Uh, Up next on uh, Detroit Today, we're going to talk about Donald Trump trying his best to explain why his campaign sent out a tweet attacking Hillary Clinton as corrupt, invoking what appears to be a star of David. Stay with us on Detroit Today.